Welcome to the VBAC Home Birth Stories podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Winning. I'm a home birth, free birth guide, fear and mindset coach, podcaster, speaker, women's rights activist, and highly sensitive person. I'm a mother of three girls, and I've had two unplanned and unneeded C-sections with a special scar. I birthed our third 4.5 kilo baby at home in a free birth after not being able to access a home birth midwife. My own journey has sparked a deep passion to support women to find their strength and courage to create the pregnancy, birth and postpartum you desire and deserve. This podcast is for women wanting to learn more about VBATs, especially home births and professionals who want to learn more about how to support VBAC women and families. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode on the VBAC Home Birth Stories podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Winning, and today we have one of my beautiful, darling clients, Sarah, who's going to be sharing her VBAC after two cesareans with special scar, um, small babies as well, which I think is an important one to note as well, because we talk about big babies all the time, but we don't often talk about small babies. So I know that was a real big thing that we worked on throughout working together. Um, but please do, I'll let you introduce yourself. Please let us know who you are, Sarah, where you are and whatever you would like to share. Thanks, Ashley. Yeah, so my name's Sarah. Um, I'm a mum of three boys um, and based in Perth. Uh, we have our own business, so that keeps us pretty busy. Um, I like that you touched on small babies because definitely I think everyone like freaks out about, oh my God, my baby's so big, but then you learn that there are also small babies, which some of us have never heard of until that happens. Yes. And then people who have small babies have separate sort of issues and worries to have to think about, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. How many weeks are you now postpartum? Around 11 we don't know precisely when we're up to our third baby, do we, Ashley? <laughs> Not when you have babies so close <laughs> like you have, Sarah. So how old are your little ones? You didn't share that just now, did you? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, so um, my oldest is four in December. So my third was born on his three and a half birthday. Um, and then my second son, Isaac, he's um, two on Thursday. And then my youngest is 11 weeks. Yeah, yeah, so you've got them so close together, which I think is really important for this story too because another thing that people constantly worry about is when did you have, you know, when did you have your VBAC? How many years apart was it? You know, everyone's worried about how many years apart was it and and that sort of thing too. So it's good to, you know, to note those times in between babes. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, let's get started on your first birth. Yep, so um, we just got married and pretty sure that um, our oldest, we didn't even know if we were like up for kids or anything, but got married and I'm pretty sure the wedding night fell pregnant with our oldest son. Um, and I've always been a little bit of a hospital kind of phobe, so I knew I wanted a home birth straight away. So um, started looking around for available midwives, but with my son being due early January, um, I knew a lot of the midwives were on holidays because they have kids and they don't want to be on call at that time. So I eventually found my midwife, um, Vanessa, and uh, she was available and I thought, yeah, great, 
and so I signed up with her. So um, with Seth, I did um hypnobirthing course. That was really awesome. Um, I dragged my husband along to that the first um, night of hypnobirthing. He was like rolling his eyes and saying, "Why am I here?" Um, I had to. He had to cut off um, cricket training early, so he was like wondering why I dragged him to this hypnobirthing course. But by the end of the course, he just um, raves about it and t- tells all the dads that they should do hypnobirthing. Um, oh, and that's cool. <laughs> yeah, that's I love he's... that he was rolling his eyes, and then by the end of it, he's like, mm, "I really love it." <laughs> yeah, because as he says, they talk about so much stuff. I guess as mums and women, we all chat about birth all the time. Um, whereas men are like, "Oh yeah, I got a baby now with a beer," and they don't really go into depth of yeah the outs of it all. Yeah, they were just sh- yeah shitty good, or you know, it was challenging, or what you know, they're so. Or my favourite, it was like my favourite pub burning down. (laughs) I'm like, ew. Yeah, but, yeah, so we did that. Um, I did everything. I just got that, Sarah. I just got that now. Yes, totally rude. Totally rude. (laughs) Isn't it? (laughs) Rude. (laughs) I can't believe you only just got that. I know, my brain. Since having the third baby, my brain's fried. I know the feeling. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I think a big thing with hypnobirthing is they're like cut out the negative, like focus on the positive. So um, I found as many positive birth stories as I could. Um, My midwife gave me some info about how birth works. I had a general idea of like the physiology of birth. Um, I did all the stuff like going for walks and things like that with friends, the stuff that you can do when it's your first pregnancy and you don't have other kids to run after. Um, Everything was normal for me up until around the 32-week mark. Um, I did, I think I did my 12-week scan. I did the 20-week scan. I was, I, I was pretty much like chill. I was like, yeah, I'll do whatever you think I should. Um, I didn't want to do the GTT. I'm also a negative blood type, but something, I don't know, I was just a bit, I didn't want to do the anti-D. I don't know why I didn't, but I didn't. Um, I did the finger prick tests to check my blood glucose to make make sure my midwife was happy with that and I also did the H1ABC blood tests but I didn't do the GTT yeah so everything was normal till around the 32 week mark um, and then I started to throw out some ketones on my on the little sticks that you wee on um, and I think that started to make my midwife nervous um, and then she suggested a third trimester scan so I was like yeah no worries I'll do a scan um, which showed low amniotic fluid. That was kind of the reason that she gave me um, for wanting me to go and get checked out at the hospital. Um, I had booked into a hospital because you usually have to do that check um, with the hospital when you're doing a home birth as well. Um, and I was all prepared for that. But, yeah, after that hospital appointment, um they wanted me to have a special appointment with the obstetrician as well because I had a higher BMI. So they're like, oh, you know, you need to have a special um, conversation about this, you know, your high BMI and all this kind of thing, which like really kind of traumatised me when I left the hospital. Um, so, yeah, I was really like not keen on going to hospital. Um, but anyway, so because of this low amniotic fluid, my midwife said, go get checked out at the hospital, go do some fetal monitoring it's all okay, like, and I said, well, you know, is my home birth hopes over? I said, oh, no, we'll just, you know, 
go get checked out and see what they say. So from there, um, all of my readings and that kind of thing were fine. Um, they started to take bloods. They would do ultrasounds at the hospital um, and they kind of wanted to have that, this continuous, continuous monitoring. So I said, you know, I was asking questions. We both were, you know, you know, why do we have to have this monitoring? Um, do I, you know, you keep... You, they were kind of alluding towards preeclampsia. So I would be like, do I have preeclampsia? And then they would say, yeah, you do. And then I'd ask the next doctor and they'd say, no, you definitely don't have preeclampsia, stuff like this. So I was kind of like, wasn't really quite sure. And I was still holding on to the hope that I would end up having my home birth. Um, as time went on, they kind of wanted to keep me in the hospital, but we discharged ourselves because we wanted to do a baby move. <laughs> So we went off and did that at about 35 or 36 weeks. So we went away for a few days, um, but I promised to come back afterwards. And I just kept going back for the monitoring. When it got to 37 weeks, um, I remember this young doctor uh, came strolling into me and he said, so you're having a baby tonight. And then I just like burst into tears because I didn't know what he was on about. I still thought I was going to have a home birth, but obviously um, that was not clearly not going to happen if I was having a baby tonight. So, um, yeah, so he said to me, um, your placenta's not working properly. Uh, your your baby's arteries in his, in his brain have been opening up to allow blood flow because, you know, it has to... Um, choose to give the blood to the brain before the body and all this like weird stuff and I was like oh what do you mean like I don't understand they never mentioned anything before no. it was just there was Nothing. something in the ketones there was something yeah and low, um, low amniotic fluid and we wanted bone, to keep an eye on the baby yeah and that was it there was otherwise everything was fine except for the fact that they couldn't they didn't really know what was going on and, and obviously giving you lots of different information which to me shows that they don't know what's going on. You know, when like yeah. they haven't, they're just like, oh, we don't know, but something, they feel like something's wrong or they, for whatever reason, like maybe because you were having a home birth, they wanted to keep you coming in or whatever. But obviously there were a couple little things there that they wanted to keep monitoring, which is why they, yeah. you know, obviously kept, kept you coming in, but they weren't really too sure what was going on. So that's really weird that all of a sudden yeah. they burst through the door some new doctor with this strange new information and delicately yeah. told you you're having this baby now so delicately, yeah yeah <laughs> pretty excited about it I was a little less excited yeah yeah because um I can't remember what I was gonna say now yeah so me yeah back then it was like my first birth so I was like oh yeah I don't want to be like um a difficult patient so you're like yeah I'll do this new monitoring and um, a people pleaser yeah being a people pleaser mm. of course I care about the the health of my baby so why wouldn't I do a bit of monitoring listen to a few like it's kind of cute listening to their heart I guess and it's not such a big deal to pop into the hospital every few days so that's kind of the way I was thinking and how was your midwife like through that process was she kind of encouraging that I mean because she did start off this you going to the yeah. hospital were you kind of having conversations back and forth was she coming with you were you by yourself what was kind of happening with your midwife that, through that 
she was she was always on call like anything I needed she'd come in if I wanted like if I needed extra support Mm. Um, every time I spoke to someone she would be like what do you think what do you want to do that kind of thing but not really I think I have to be so careful at not offering suggestions of other things it's kind of like well have you looked into this what do you want to do have you asked the questions it's more like that kind of stuff rather than being like no they're full of it Mm. I think Putting, um, yeah, putting it back into your hands to make the choice. Yeah. Yeah. And towards the end of that pregnancy, like, if I'm honest with myself, I was starting to feel a little bit, like, I don't know, off or ill. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were kind of sometimes, you know, I went, we went on a barbecue tour of um, of restaurants, whatever, that we got bought for our wedding present. And I there was a couple of times in the restaurant when I was like, mm, I, don't, I feel like I need to go to the go get checked out and feel well so if I'm honest like but they had nothing nothing was coming up in my blood not like all my CTGs were fine everything so mm. yeah I'm not sure what was going on and for he yeah so well, that's stopped, pregnancy like, as well because you know that's yeah. pre- you know at the same time I mean at the imagine oh I remember being in Ikea and almost fainting because my yeah, blood pressure was so low and yeah. you know just oh you know, pregnancy for some women is like amazing, and for other women, it's you know good. And then you have your little troughs and that sort yeah. of thing too. So it's it's just so hard to navigate. What do these things mean when it's like your first time? Like, am oh, I going yeah. to die? Or am I fine? Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, yeah. And so this doctor's like, yeah. So that's what his like arteries are doing. What do you want me to do? Draw a picture for you? And I was like, yeah. Yeah, I would actually. Please draw a picture for me. I would like I a three D scan, and yeah. I would like you to do a presentation. But that yeah. is so rude, isn't it? Like, yeah. uh, that makes me angry. You know. Yeah. So he's like, you know, it's urgent. You have to come back. I think it was about two p.m. Come back at six thirty, and we'll start the process. And it's like, okay. Um, and it was so hard because then I had to like just make the decision: Am I going to go along with this, or am I going mm. to? And I was by myself at this particular checkup as well. So I wasn't with right, like my husband would have been a bit more like, no, nah, we're mm. not doing that, you know. Or, mm. Did you, know. you feel like you had a choice or did you feel like, you, did, you know, based on the information that was pre- and the way it was presented that, you know, it was an emergency sort of situation? I think coming from the home birthing angle and doing all this hypnobirthing and stuff, you kind of know in the back of your mind you do have a choice. But mm. when you're talking about, your unborn child and you know you don't want to be this person that puts their life in danger and you want to be a dick about it yeah you know I was like all right then so I had this um like and I hadn't packed a hospital bag or anything and I think that's when they started to talk about the baby being small or something like that but I had no idea about this I didn't even realize that I had a small baby or anything like that which is quite interesting because today I was looking through all the notes in preparation for today and it was actually mentioned a few times there but I don't feel that I feel like maybe my midwife was holding some of that stuff back um because she didn't want to freak me out or anything but I even saw in the notes that she wrote at 32 weeks it's the first time that I've like she might have told me, but I've been aware. It says not um, suitable for home birth. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, so she had written in her notes that she didn't um, think that she I was knew suitable. that I was not con- um not suitable for home birth. But she, so she put it in the notes, but she never told you. Yeah. Um, wow. I don't remember hearing that, unless you know, maybe. Yeah, I can't remember hearing that. 
So what's what sort go. of notes are these? Are these ones that you got from the hospital the, or something? The antenatal notes. So they do like notes in your book. You know, oh, your okay. Book. Yeah, okay. So the interesting. Home do those too. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, I thought that was interesting. <laughs> yeah, that is interesting. <laughs> Yeah, and I also read my scan note. I mean, this is my first pregnancy. I'm, like, going along going, yeah, sure, no worries. But now, like, having done this three times, now I'm looking at all of these scans and stuff and actually reading them and seeing that, you know, it was saying small, small size baby, this blood flow, that thing, you know. So I was actually looking at them a bit closer now, but, you know, too late. That's a journey. Yeah, so I had this... Um, one of my really close friends, she was amazing. She came over like a whirlwind into my house. She'd like, um, she had a little eight week old baby and she drove all the way to her friend's house in City Beach. She had, you know, five zero clothes and she picked up a bunch from her. And then she came to my house and packed my hospital bag and told me what I'd needed and bought all the stuff from the chemist for me. And because I had nothing, I'm typical me. I didn't even bought a pram yet. You know, I thought, you know, it's my first baby. It'll be late. It won't be till like, you know, mid Jan. Um, so she was awesome and I'm just like and also that's so true to you and your you know after working with you for six months that's so true to your form like <laughs> it'll it'll happen whatever will be kind of you know like with the getting everything organized yeah I, was, so, I still thought I was having a home birth <laughs> why yeah. did someone tell me <laughs> yeah and yeah it's interesting I'm so glad that you had your friend come and do that because it can be pretty daunting as a first-time mum too I'm, I had a friend who had had a new baby come over and help me pack my bag too because I just didn't understand what on earth I was going to, I didn't understand. And I was like, oh, yeah. she's like, you need this and you need that. And here's yeah. the pack. And I was like, okay, cool. This is your nipple cream. You're like, what? Yeah. Cream yeah. Your <laughs> You're like, what the hell? <laughs> the baby eats it. Yeah. <laughs> All that stuff. Yeah. It was so nice. And that's I think good. that's one of the things I've loved about becoming a mum is like, the other mums help the mums and it's like yeah. wow it's so amazing what other mums do for each other and yes. you, you you're like well how didn't I help any mums when I had no babies and I had all the time in the world but I think it's I just know. what we do we become mums we just like have to help everyone yeah and you don't know yes. like I think about it all the time all my friends had kids before I did and I remember some of the conversations and like I just had didn't have that experience and it was like of course, because I didn't know what they were going through and it's, you know, diff it's a whole new life, isn't it, being a mum? Yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, so I rushed into the hospital because I had to be there by 6.30pm, um, five hours later. <laughs> you know, you have a bit of monitoring and five hours later I'm there getting a, um, a balloon catheter put in. Um, that was yuck. People think that, I, I read it all the time, girls like, yeah, it's no problem. I'm like, this is so yuck. Like, for me, going to hospital um, was yuck. Legs and stirrups, getting catheter put in, like, it was just not my idea of fun. Um, so I had that in. <laughs> I don't time. think it's anyone's idea of fun. When I had it put in, it was the most excruciating pain. I thought, how can I get through this? Oh. If I can't even get through this because I had to have gas and air, how am I going to have a baby out my vagina, like? I was freaking out because they were making me feel like I was some sort of person that was complaining or something, but it was so painful. Yeah. You're the first person I've heard say that. Usually wow. I'm like, yeah, no worries. And then the guy's like, oh, when was your last pap smear? I was like, oh, great. Now I'm going to die of cancer as well, you know, on top <laughs> of that. But anyway, um, yeah, so I had that in overnight and that night I was in a shared room because you end up in a public hospital as a home birther. 
um, which is fine, whatever, I don't care. But there was this girl next to me and she was just howling the whole night. She was in so much pain. The midwives were coming in. They are like, no, you've got heaps of time. You need to calm down, be quiet. Yeah, and this girl was just howling. And I was like, wow, what's going on with her? Turns out she got to eight centimetres and they wheeled her off and pushed her baby out an hour later. So that was my first night. And then another lady came in. So it got to the next day um, and, yeah, they took out the balloon. My midwife came in as well um, and they said, oh, yeah, you're good to go except we don't have a birth suite. So, um, yeah, you're going to have to wait kind of thing. We'll check on you in 12 hours. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, and in that time, my cervix had closed up again. So um, they were like, oh, now I'm going to give you um, the hormone string thing. Do you know what that's called? Ashley? You're talking about like the they the strips? The is strip, it the strip the strips? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know much about it. I've personally had the other one where they put it in. <laughs> I don't know much about the names of it, but I think there's strips that you can put in. Yeah. So they yeah. had that some hormone thing anyway. Mm-hmm. That was had that and then that kind of like fell out. And then they're like, Yeah, we still don't have any <laughs> beds for you. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, damn, I can't, like, this is, doesn't feel like such an emergency anymore. Anyway, so then the next day goes past and they're like, okay, so we're going to give you gel now um, and we'll see you in the morning and hopefully we have a birthing suite available. So, yeah, I I came in, I got the balloon on the 20th and then I had woken up on the 23rd and it was finally my time to go. They wheeled me to the birthing suite, but I was still really closed and the midwife couldn't break my waters. So... They had to get the head obstetrician who apparently has never not been able to break waters. So um, he was a really tall guy with really long fingers and he got right up there and broke my waters. So that was all good. And then they started the drip, um, which uh, I think induction is so painful. <laughs> so um, that all happened around 10 a.m. Um, and then by around, I think it was around 12 um, I started to have the baby started to yeah they weren't getting a good trace and then they were like oh we want to do a scalp clip and I didn't really know that what that was so I was like yeah sure I'll do a scalp clip um, so they clipped him to that and then um, I started to feel like I don't know what it was but it was so painful and I was like you have to turn the strip off it doesn't feel right um, turn off the drip don't want it anymore so they kind of like stopped the drip and then all of a sudden yeah, and then the contractions kept coming. And then a little while later, um, the baby had a D cell. I think it got down to about 50 beats per minute. And um, they did a code blue. So everyone, you had like 10 doctors run in, lay on your side, hands up you, that kind of thing until the baby recovers. Um, and then that happened again a couple more times. Um, and then the head obstetrician came in. He was he was actually a really nice guy. Like I look back and I'm like glad that he was there. Um, he came in, he's like, look, I think we think you should um, probably have a cesarean. And Ryan and I, my husband were like, yeah, yeah, let's do that because this is really scary. And um, I can't, yeah, it's just having like a code blue emergency every, you know, 10 minutes is like not fun. So I was like, yeah, for sure. Like, of course, I'll consent to that. Like, where's the paper? I'm like ready to sign. And he was like rubbing my leg and talking me through it. Um, and I was like, yep, cool. Just I'll sign for this. Like, let's do it kind of thing. But he was kind of 
yeah, being really nice and but taking his time. We're like, dude, we need to get this baby out. And then all of a sudden, um, the baby has a D cell down to about 30 and just was not recovering. So that was a code red. Um, so then it was on. I think um my I think the midwife that was looking after me in my birth suite like must have unplugged something. There was doctors yelling at her. Um, they were like getting the bed ready to roll. I'm like rolling out the room. Like didn't say bye to Ryan, nothing. Right into um into an operating theatre where the anaesthetist, they had the oxygen mask on me and they were like, you know, you just gotta take big breaths. We need you to have be full of air to go under. Um, you'll be asleep in 15 seconds and people like screaming across the room like does she have any allergies and they're like no and I was like oh my god what's going on that he's like that wet thing you can feel that's you know the ID where they're about to do the incision they can't waste any time and then the next thing I know I wake up and um Ryan's wafting this baby in front of me and he's like oh you got a baby <laughs> not that so I was like oh okay yeah, so you've basically, um, yeah, pretty out of it. That's to meet full the on. That's full on. Was that was that traumatic for you, Sarah? Um, so I think being wheeled down the corridor. I think during my pregnancy, because because Seth happened so quickly, and always towards the end of my pregnancy, I was like, I don't know if I'm ready to be a mum. I don't know if I'm ready to have a baby, and I was like feeling so guilty about having all these thoughts. Um, you know, who thinks about that? to their unborn baby like who's would like imagine someone's mum just like thinking that about them but as I was getting wheeled down this hallway I just remember thinking I definitely want the baby I definitely want the baby as if I was like telling God like don't let him die I definitely want him like and then um yeah and then to just be like handed this burrito baby it was like oh okay that's my baby then um yeah I did I found it really hard for probably a year because you're, yeah. like, looking at your little baby and you go, you know, felt like I wasn't there for him. I had a lot of guilt around that. Like, these strangers kind of, like, were the first people to meet him. Um, Yeah, it was – yeah, I sort of was upset about it a lot. I think I've been able to come to terms with that now. And, yeah, I used to get really – it's heartbreaking because, like, you have all these – the whole pregnancy, you're just like, oh, you know – can't wait to meet my baby what's it going to be like imagine seeing them for the first time but you know you're you're coming out of a general so I can barely remember the afternoon my dad's got a photo of me which was taken later that afternoon I I can barely remember my parents being there and it's just like me trying to breastfeed and I just like looked totally wasted so yeah it was tough but you know I was so happy that my baby was okay Mm. so I took wrote down the time so he was his um Blood, pr- his yeah, beats per minute went down to thirty at one thirty eight p.m. and it says at one forty five p.m. Ryan was having skin to skin. So that's seven minutes later he was skin to skin with the baby. So bloody hell, they get them out quick. It is quite amazing, mm. you know, that they can yeah turn turn it around that fast. Amazing. And then so by two and it's th- good to know, like for you know real emergencies, it's good to know that that's exactly how quickly they can, you know, perform. And, you know, that's what you want, isn't it? Yeah. A team that can spring into action if and when you need them in an emergency, whether it's in childbirth or any, you know, sort of life emergency, that's exactly what you want them prepared for. Definitely. And huge respect. And I could, yeah, I'm so glad it was that head um, 
constitution. He was really good. I was so thankful to him. Yeah. So and, um, when, with the with the nurse that um the midwife that was or the nurse that was in the room, it obviously the thing that got turned off. It was something separate. It wasn't like the they turned off. She turned off the thing for the baby's heartbeat. Beat the baby actually did have that um d cell that was a true oh, yeah. d cell to and he didn't recover did he yeah because the obstetrician kind of lent looked at it because that watched it watched it watched it lent over me press the button yeah okay so babies and he on freaked dad, out. he kind of went white he was like <laughs> and yeah so that would have been pretty you know that's why it went so quick and everything so yeah. babies born babies on dad skin to skin so baby babies born healthy after they've yeah, done so the check i'm imagining Okay, he came out screaming. He was, they did the checks on him. Tangled in the umbilical cord, apparently. Okay. But once he's out of that process, obviously it was very stressful for him because he was how big born? Uh, Yeah, so he was born 2.27 kilos. He was a tiny little baby, obviously going through a long induction process and then obviously having those drugs and everything kind of um, push him down and he obviously just didn't like that process but, but just yeah came out crying didn't have to go to nick you stayed with me the whole time lovely and That's yeah nice. they sent off my placenta to see what was going on with that never heard back with that so sure. and it's amazing that he was so little like 2.2 and you know and he was fine to just be with you after that yeah amazing yeah, he, was a, he was a good hungry guy yeah. and the awesome thing was having the private midwife there you know, she is like right onto skin to skin with Ryan, right onto um, as soon as I was awake, she was latching the baby to me, um, helping me with the breastfeeding and also um, helped me get out of hospital because like, I was like, I want to get out of here as soon as possible. Mm. So I actually left the hospital the next day after my caesarean mm. um, and the baby was little. So they're like, mm, this baby's a skinny guy. I'm like, will you just tell me? I'm like, give me the schedule of what I need to do, and because he had to have, um, they wanted him having formula top ups and stuff. Yeah, like just tell me what you want. I'm gonna go straight to the pharmacy, get some formula. I'm like, but you know, the thing was, they were so short staff. It's the 24th of December, the next day, so like April Christmas. Yeah, and no one was bringing in formula. No, I didn't have a kettle in there. There was like, there was no way of feeding the baby other than we were doing um expressing the colostrum into syringes and stuff like that but they were kind of like why haven't you been doing top-ups I'm like well, there's no one like there's no no one's doing the top-up so it's better off if I just take them home do the top-ups there that's so, so they, weird they were that understaffed that they couldn't even provide formula that they wanted you to have for the baby yeah so I don't know it's yeah. a little strange to me but I guess yeah that I made mean, it hard, easier for you to you know get to a space where you could set yourself up and have all those things organized yeah and it kind of gave the doctors were like yeah okay and I said and I've got my private midwife she's gonna come every day like if I need anything she'll help me and so yeah. they said yeah okay as long as you promise to do like what was on the schedule which I did because I promised to keep my baby alive thank you I promised not to starve him yeah (laughs) I promised to keep my baby alive and yeah yeah, it's good that because you had that midwife as well that's like an extra authority that they're like okay she's in good hands yeah it's um also was it trained and everything so exactly yeah like she knows everything that they know but she's been extra trained as a midwife to do the home birth stuff as well um was it just 
just like lucky timing that she was there when you eventually went into labor or did you kind of call her oh, no, and say she came. yeah she came in for the induction and everything and the induction was like a three-day process wasn't it so well yeah so the so they did the balloon which you keep in for 12 hours and when that fell out there was no rooms available so they were like oh we can't induce you because obviously they do that to ripen the cervix in order to pop the waters and then they put the drip on. So they were trying to ripen the cervix with the balloon, but then once they'd got the cervix ripe, they didn't have a birth suite. Then I had okay. to go through the process of ripening the cervix again with the tape and then with the gel. So she wasn't with you. That is the induction process, but she wasn't with you during that process. She was with you when basically once you started to go into labour? Yeah, so... um because I was going through that for three full days, mm. um, there wasn't really much you could do. It was kind of like sitting around yeah. listening to hypnobirthing, trying to like will yourself to go on to labour. That was probably all I was doing. It was boring. It's good that she was with you as well because um, some a lot of midwives wouldn't be in the hospital. Um, you know, they just sometimes hand over the care or they don't go into hospital or anything. So it's good to know that yeah. she was with you and you had that extra support. Yeah. Yeah, so with that particular birth, she didn't have admitting rights, but she was there as more of a support person. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so so the best thing about the private midwife, I will say, is that it was really hard with the breastfeeding because he was so skinny Mm. So and having to do the formula top-up. So she's actually um, a trained lactation consultant or whatever. So we were doing, like, feeding, syringing the formula in, the side corner of his mouth we're doing feeding lines we're doing everything to establish breastfeeding so I think without her support I don't think I would have successfully breastfed that's nice um, so that was really like it makes the private midwife so worth it mm. yeah it's not just about the birth and and that continuity of care as well exactly yeah awesome okay so that was the first birth and then with the second one were you planning another baby or was this baby a surprise yeah so um I think it I got to around the 12 mark 12 mark with my son and I was like oh that wasn't you know that wasn't so bad having a baby um even though it was that tough at the time becoming a mum and everything like that Mm. but about 12 months you're kind of getting into your groove so um we didn't really plan but we were pregnant again um Mm. I think we're just a bit relaxed a little bit too relaxed yeah, and so um, found out I was pregnant with my second. Um, burst into tears as soon as I found out. I was like, how can I do two? Oh, my God, what have I done? That kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I definitely knew I wanted to try for a home birth again, and that's when um, I started to tap into all of the VBAC stories. There's heaps mm-hmm. of different VBAC um, um, podcasts and that kind of thing. I don't know if yours was around back then. What year yeah. was it? 2009 I ended up starting my podcast in mid 20 when I was pregnant with um Millie so there was the VBAC link podcast at the time and I think VBAC stories started a couple months before my podcast started um and I think that was all that was out at the time yeah yeah, we yeah so I think the... yours, yours was probably a couple of months before my second was born, so maybe yeah. didn't see probably, it. Yeah, exactly. Maybe it was only new. It was only new, but now there's so <laughs> many podcasts out there to listen to. Like, it's great. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But yes, it would have been nice to have had your home birth feedback 
stories mm. that have been cool but hey um, I got yeah, it for the so, third one <laughs> yeah. and I also was on the VBAC groups on Facebook yes. as well the Australian read, one yeah and there's also one for WA as well so I was on oh, both cool. yeah oh awesome and even with like the girls that weren't successful with their VBACs lots of them spoke about healing c-sections so I was like oh you know worst case I'll I can have a healing c-section that was kind of the way I was like lining my mind up for me the most important thing for this birth was that I just did not want a general I wanted to be awake I wanted to witness the birth of this child I didn't want my husband to miss out either I wanted him to be there just because he was totally missed out we didn't even say goodbye to each other when I was wheeled out last time he was kind of in the waiting room like where's my with my wife and baby so yeah that was those were my biggest um things that I wanted so I figured if I had a healing c-section that what's that'll be all right um and I was also trying to make sense of Seth's birth, birth a bit and I actually like looked up some peer-reviewed articles and stuff like that to see you know was it did I make the right decision getting induced yeah because I still like was wrapping my head around that like did it shouldn't I have got should I left in bit longer you know all that, those kinds of things that you do yeah you're trying to unpack and understand and what's the best thing to move forward with clarity and you know trying to figure out if you're going to have a home birth or a you know yeah. a healing c-section healing I, i'm doing inverted commas you know little yeah. things healing c-section because i have heard stories of women planning healing c-sections for a number of reasons because you know they like yourself had a traumatic experience and they feel more in control with that. And then unfortunately they've gone on to have, uh, you know, where it's out of the control and things have gone wrong. And then I've heard of women who have had amazing healing C-sections as well. Yeah. So it's interesting that all the different variations of birth can be positive and, you know, yeah. good um, in different, in different, what would you say, different eyes through a different lens yeah. through a different person through their experiences so that's interesting yeah. and yeah I mean whatever anyone wants to do that's the thing isn't it we just advocate for choice and freedom of choice yeah exactly yeah, yeah so so I kind of focus my pregnancy um the stuff I want to do for my pregnancy things like you know pregnancy pilates didn't want to tried not to recline after 30 weeks rise relief tea all of that kind of stuff um really yeah all of that mechanical stuff that you hear about you know eating dates and all that kind of stuff you're like I've got to do all these things or I'm not gonna have a vaginal birth and it's gonna go badly so I was looking at all that stuff um interestingly oh and I was also keen to do um growth scans because I was like oh you know don't want to be little this time and I, I don't know in my mind I think if I monitored it I could like wish him bigger or whatever I don't know I just want to keep an eye on it because like this skinny baby thing was quite stressful now that I knew what it was and so I think I'd done a couple of getting towards the end of the pregnancy and I'd done a couple of scans and um the baby's weight uh the baby was I think he was looking a bit smaller or gone down on the, like the scan um and I was talking to a guy at one of my business networking um groups I was like talking about this birth stuff to him just because he was like listening 
Um, and he happened to be um, a Martini method facilitator. So he was like, oh, you want to do some work with me? So it was really cool. I did some work with him about Seth's birth. What's a um, Martini facilitator? So um, there's this guy. Oh, he's, it's part of, like, self-improvement kind of stuff. There's a guy mm. called John D. Martini, and he has all these kinds of disciples that um, preach, uh, teach his method. And what oh, okay. it based, for me, basically, it was about um, you can take a trauma and you can neutralise it okay. by talking about what we talked about was, you know, because I went in there, I'm like, this bad thing in the hospital is this and this is what happened. They nearly killed my baby. He's like, yeah, but what I had to really focus on, what were the benefits? What were the good that came out of it? You know, what are all the positives to take from it? And you go through this method so far that in the end you, like, neutralise it because you realise that in life <laughs> nothing is negative and nothing is positive. Like, you can neutralise these things that happen to you so that it isn't this trauma hanging over your head for, like, the rest of your life. It was really interesting working with him. I'm always open to these like new concepts of thinking. But the weird thing about it was that the next scan, um, and I also was saying to him, I'm freaking out about, um, you know, being a mum of two and that kind of thing. And he helped me work through that. And instead of like pushing away, like pushing away, becoming a mother of two, like embracing it, like, you know, what are the benefits, that kind of thing. And the weird thing was that the next scan I had the baby actually gone back up to its normal percentile from then on. His growth was fine, which I don't know, you know, it's just a coincidence, but I don't know, I feel like it might have made a difference because after he was born, he also, you know, he put on 500 grams a week, uh, yeah, a week of weight. So it was just like mind-blowing. For how long? He would have, like, been a little elephant <laughs> yeah, in no time. Every week that, that my midwife weighed him. So wow. for five or six weeks in a row, it was like, 480, 530, 510. Like, wow, yeah. So he really I don't know it if on. it was like some mental thing that I was like holding, like restricting their growth or something. Like, I'm not blaming myself, but or yeah. if it was like some way of me just like opening up and like letting the gut, letting the poor kid grow. So, anyway, um, when it got to his birth, I was 38 and four. I think I was, yeah, and I noticed I had some of that. I think it was the plug. So I rang mm-hmm. my wife and she said so by 38 and 4 you have decided you're have you're going ahead with a home birth yeah so my yeah. my plan was try and have a home birth if mm-hmm. I transfer in too bad okay. I'll transfer and have a c-section so you've done a little of bit of life. healing work um to heal the last trauma and who, who did you go with for who was your midwife so I went I stayed with my midwife from Seth's birth Cool. So you had, I mean, I know this, but just so the audience knows. (laughs) Um, And that's the thing because we've worked together intimately. I know so much more of the details. Um, But so you have the same midwife. How was she throughout the pregnancy? Is she cool with all of this and all the, um, you know, sort of some of the scans and things that you're getting done as well? What was your relationship like and um, how was she kind of totally fine for you to have home birth and that sort of thing at this point? she's very much about like it's your choice you know you you do what you want to do kind of thing Mm. um yeah and she sent me some info about VBACs as well so I could have a little read through that Mm. um also I did my booking appointment with King Eddie's and she didn't seem the obstetrician that I saw there she was pretty chill and she wasn't overly concerned she wasn't even concerned 
concerned about the small baby thing. She's like, oh, people's second and third babies are always bigger. You know? Okay. So, That's good. Like, oh, cool. It's interesting so who you get on, you know, where yeah. they work, how completely different the conversations can be. Yeah, she didn't. She wasn't concerned. Awesome. I, I, I was pretty happy with who I got in the hospital. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, and I think uh, my midwife's very much like, we'll see how it goes, we'll wait and see, that kind of thing. She'll never promise you anything either. She'll just be like, oh, we'll see, you know, yeah. how it is on the day. So... It's also a little bit unsettling because you sometimes you just want someone to tell you that's going to be okay. But I think, yeah, it's not always a good idea to kind of latch on to other authority figures to tell you that it's going to be okay. I've learned that you kind of have to tell yourself that it's going to be okay. Yeah. But that, I learned that later on. Yes. and But, you know, that's why, you know, we hire people, you know, a lot of the time. Yeah. Because we want that reassurance and guidance. And so... Yeah. We love it. We love to hear it, don't we, a lot of the time. Yeah, and you hear about all of her other clients having home births and yeah. stuff like that. I'm like, oh, they do it all the time. I would just have a home birth. Like, what's yeah. the big deal? So exactly. easy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, it's just so, you you know, the heavens open up and pass you your baby through the clouds. Like, it's so easy to have a home birth. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you're 38 weeks plus four and you had a bit of mucus plug. Come yeah, out, did you say? Like, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it could be t- tomorrow, could be a week, could be two weeks, doesn't really mean too much. But um, being in the mindset that I had to get things going and that kind of thing, I was like, come on, let's go for a family walk. So we did like a 6K walk in the park and we had such a good day. Um, it got to the evening. Um, baby was asleep, watching a movie, starting to feel... Um, few little niggles little kind of crampy kind of feelings so I was like oh yeah hopefully this is it um get start to try and go to sleep but it's a little bit too crampy and you're like oh maybe I'll get up I don't want to disturb Ryan from his sleep <laughs> so I thought oh you know I'm going to go and bounce on a fit ball and I'm going to bounce on that and then I'm going to get my um contraction timer I'm going to time all my contractions and see how far apart they are and basically tiring myself out which I know which I realize now but hey and then by about four in the morning um I decided I'm gonna have a shower because it's like really starting to hurt a bit and I decide and then I, all of a sudden I start to like get these thoughts in my mind like oh if this is labor I wonder how, how his heart rate's going maybe I should get my midwife here to like check his heart rate like and that's all I could think about. So I messaged her and asked her to come over and she was over by about 5.15 in the morning. Came into the shower, like, how are you going? And things. So she was there straight away. Continued to labour there, laboured over the couch. Um, the contractions were coming, I think, three, uh, three minutes, I think, I got to at some point. So they decided that they would start filling up the bath, the um birth pool coming that and you know having painful contractions so they were they were lasting 60 seconds so they were like decent contractions and we were and our house was really small that we lived in then um so the lounge room was like kind of connected to the kitchen and ryan's like oh you do you want some bacon and eggs and he's like frying bacon and eggs while i'm just like doubled over in pain in the birth pool it's like no i don't want bacon and eggs yeah so it's amazing how like chilled out he can be when i'm just like fully contracting but um my 
labor seemed to slow down so it slowed down to the point where I was kind of like laying back in the pool basically like borderline going to sleep so oh man it felt like the best sleep ever as well um and that's when um and in the time when things were ramping up a bit um heavier my midwife had called the um backup midwife because I think she thought like it was progressing but yeah the pool really slowed things down so at this point the girls said hey time to get out of the pool let's have a walk around the uh, backyard so we yeah did that walked around I sat on the toilet leant over the toilet tried to get the contractions going tried squatting through contractions um all that kind of stuff I felt like I felt like I had a really nice day actually because I was kind of like chained to the midwife and I'd lean over and have a like a, a contraction and then you know I felt pretty chilled out and they're like look we think you need to like maybe there's some emotional stuff or mental stuff going on that you you need to clear to try and get this you know baby going so we talked through some things I talked through my fear of having two babies um yeah things are getting really painful and then by about 5 p.m I was like I just want to know how many centimeters I am dilated they didn't ask at all like it was totally up to me if I wanted to get a cervical check so at 5 p.m they checked me and they found that I was seven to eight centimeters so I was like yes I'm gonna do like I am getting a home birth this time how good is that um continued to labor um my sister-in-law is a Cairo so she came over and tried to do some Cairo on me which felt really good um all the hip presses against the contractions were so nice and um then at about eight o'clock the midwives asked if they could I think no I think it's me I was I wanted to have another check so I'm getting really tired now of all of these contractions and that kind of thing and found that I was now five centimeters dilated which was really strange so it's like I'd gone backwards I was in the shower looking back I was in the shower at this point and doing a lot of like swaying and that kind of thing and I've looked at videos um since and they reckon swaying can be the baby turning so I don't know if the baby had like come up to turn um I don't know what was going on so yeah because he ended up being posterior when he was born but anyway so by about yeah so about by about this time because I was only five centimeters um the um the midwives had tried to get me to sleep and that kind of thing that made me like pillow nests and stuff but I just could not I could not lay down anything it was way too painful because I kept having contractions it's like how do you go to sleep for like two or three minutes and then have another contraction like I just couldn't understand how I was supposed to like just lay down and sleep for the night it was just not going to happen so they were like you know getting really tired we think we should transfer in and then I was just like completely um you know in tune with, with what they wanted what they like suggested so I was like yeah let's transfer in then um and I was absolutely devastated um that I'd gone through all of this time I just like I've never like cried so hard. I was like holding on to Ryan. I was like, absolutely shattered that I was going to be going in and getting another cesarean. I just thought, you know, I've been through all this time and, you know, failing again kind of thing. I was like, Devo. 
But yeah, there was no, um, it wasn't a an emergency or anything like that. The baby's Dopplers were all fine. We we're just going to um, pack a hospital bag again because I hadn't done that again. <laughs> no <laughs> hospital bag. So in between contractions, I'm like, what do I need? Oh, I'm having a traction. Okay, now let's find a, a nighty. Oh, another contraction. Yeah, it was just great. Mm. And packing that. Um, I mean, we were so relaxed. Like it was so much not an emergency that on the way there, Ryan got a burger from Macca's. So I was like in the drive-thru having contraction while he's like ordering his Big Mac, but that's fine. I mean, he was hungry. You know, you can't have hungry men around. You know, you, don't, you want to have them pretty chilled out. So got in there at about 10.30 um, and then I had some obstetricians coming in. They did the CTG as they usually do and they're like, and I decided that if I was going into the hospital, I did not want any interventions at all. If I go into the hospital, I'm having a C-section. That's what I'd already decided in my mind. I didn't want, I don't want epidurals. I didn't want um, any kind of water breaking. I don't want anything that could possibly lead to a general. That was what I just had in my mind that I did not, I was not having anything that could lead to a general. So I said, if I go to the hospital, I'm having a C-section. And the obstetricians would come to me and they were like, you know, we really strongly suggest a C-section. And I was like, yep, I already told you I want a C-section. Stop, like, trying to talk me into it. I want a C-section. So they said, yep, cool. Wheeled me in to get the little stab in the back. Um, I think I had a spinal. Absolutely petrified. I hate hospitals. I hate needly things. I hate, like, it just seems so, like, unnatural to me. I hate that stuff. But, you know, you just man up. Um got that put in I was like please make sure I can't feel anything because I'd read stupidly read stories of when women can feel it like that's a massive nightmare um, of mine so yeah well, I want to yeah. say that you had to warm it up because yeah we've just been through <laughs> a whole day of labor and going through contractions without any medication and now you have to woman up next level to get this yeah. spinal, which is scary because yeah. it's not something that we normally do, you know, get needles, especially in yeah, our spine. Fine. Yeah. And you're like, huge. You're like, don't move. You're like, I can't not move. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I'm just waiting. I've got a contraction coming. But I yeah, wasn't really painful. looking forward to that being over because I was done. Like as soon mm. as I made the decision that I was having to there and I was like, make these contractions stop like it is painful flipped your so mindset painful. and that's how quickly the mindset can change as 100%. well once there's a suggestion and you've already had it in your mind you just you like flipped over to I'm having the c-section that's all I care about that's what I yeah, want make this let's get it going like, yeah. I can't do all these contractions and I was sitting down with a stupid ctg I'm like you know what I can't sit here with this contraction going on and I'm standing up and they're like you need to sit down I'm like no I don't just give me a c-section mm. <laughs> that kind of thing being great patient and they just talk to you that I think they've seen so many contractions that they just keep talking to you and you're like dude I can't hear you I'm in pain sure mm. mm-hmm. anyway so I had this anesthetist as well and she was just like yeah yeah I'm gonna look after you won't be able to feel anything she made sure she was really sweet like yeah she was really nice um wheeled me in and I just felt gross. It felt shaky. I didn't realise that they, and I felt really freaked out too because I'd never actually experienced a C-section before because I was asleep last time. So this was like a whole new experience. Um, I'd never had any of the drugs or anything 
because I never did with Seth and he didn't have time to have any epidural or anything so it's my first time like shaking like a leaf feel ill she's giving me drugs for that to like make me feel a bit better um I didn't realize the sheet is so close to your face that was like a bit of a shock to me I was like uh, how are you supposed to experience anything you're like basically have a sheet in your face um and then I start performing the surgery and then ages goes past oh and my private midwife is next to me to my right holding my hand like talking me through it oh so good to have her there like so worth it even um even though I ended in the c-section so good and then I'm like mate I said Vanessa man this is taking ages is something going wrong because I thought you know go in 15 minutes come out you have a baby um then they put up this like bigger sheet so they had a sheet up and then they put a bigger sheet up um and oh no they pulled out the baby so he took a while to come out put out the baby they kind of like wafted him over the sheet said you got a boy and then he was gone um and then this big sheet went up and I was like oh god what is going on I'm like this is really scary now I'm like what I'm open on a table having an operation something is definitely going wrong and I'm awake um but the baby was fine uh Ryan had to go over and cut the cord that was already cut I don't know do they do that normally with c-sections yeah, they cut the cord once the baby's born. And then the born. husband, like, cuts, like, the little and then, of... <laughs> Yeah, and then if you're lucky, then the husband can cut, like, the cord again, like a fake cut. Yeah. But, like, in the that. first first C-section, my husband never got the opportunity to do that. So oh, we've got okay. a photo of him cutting the cord with the second one. It was, like, um, cutting like the it's little funny. Cord. It's Yeah, it's, like, it's nice for them, but at the same time it's, like, really weird and <laughs> you know you can actually I'm pretty sure you can have a lotus birth so a lotus as in the baby not get cut so if they can yeah. remove the placenta so that's another option that a lot of people are talking about and something we can advocate for as well yeah I did ask like because I knew it was this non-emergency c-section I was like can I please have like delayed cord clamping mm. but I said asked a few times and no one like kind of listened I was like oh well, that no didn't acknowledgement happen. Yeah. yeah that's nice yeah so yeah he was all fine and then Ryan and yeah they put the baby on me mm. and I just felt so shaky and sick and I thought can you please get this lump of human off me like I can't mm. cope like, I feel so ill um then they took him off yeah and I felt like I'm like this isn't what I experienced when I wanted to be there for a birth yeah I'm like, I am not there I'm just coping yeah they so took the baby away put this bigger sheet up I said to my midwife I'm like something is not right she said um so the baby's shoulders nicked nicked you on the way out so um your uterus is torn down towards the bladder mm. um, and then one of the doctors came out and they said um we want to check your bladder to make sure it's okay so now we're going to put a camera up um your urethra urethra to make sure there's no damage and I was like oh my god like imagining myself on having a wee bag for the rest of my life or whatever you know every like worst case thing is yeah. going on and I and I kept saying to my midwife how much longer how much longer um because as they fixed up um this tear and ended up being I ended up being on the table for about two and a half to three hours while they yeah stitched me up so yeah it was horrible but just the feeling of yeah just not feeling you're feeling that shaking feeling, knowing that something's not right, that they're having to fix you and being awake while they're like, yeah, it's, yeah it wasn't my idea of a healing cesarean. 
so anyway, but I'm very grateful that my bladder was intact and everything. Um, they stitched it all up. I think they got the head of, came in and helped them fix me. Um, and then at about 3 a.m. I was in recovery and with my my midwife helping me to establish breastfeeding again. And also very grateful that baby was fine. Stayed yeah. with me from then onwards. No NICU, nothing. So grateful for that. Um, how, how big was this babe? So he was a huge 2.9 kilos. Yes, 2.9. Nice size. But, um, yeah, you could tell he was he was plump. My first baby was kind of gaunt and like a little skeleton covered in skin. So you could tell this one actually looked like a baby. So, yeah, he was all good for size. Mm. Yeah. So and how were you feeling after the birth and everything once you settled in to oh, of course. that experience? Um, so I was thinking, I don't know, that's what you get for taking the easy option of, you know, giving up on your home birth, it serves you right, all those stupid thoughts that go through your mind. So you um, punished yourself yeah. basically. Yeah. Mm. You know, so, but I didn't, the same thing again, I didn't even know that there was such a thing as a uterine tear and I didn't even know that that was a risk of C-sections either. And I didn't realise that. Nobody know, really knows that that's a risk. And so they they talk about um, uterine rupture, but, you know, the thing is when they talk to you about a repeat, you didn't have to go through this because you had a private midwife, but usually they don't go, okay, well, let's talk about a C-section and here's the risks of a repeat C-section. Here's the risks of an emergency C-section or in labour. And here's the risks of a VBAC. It's usually like, do you know the risks of VBAC? And then, you know, it's like you end up with, going through doing what they want and then coming out even worse than you were before. Um, So it's a really interesting process because a lot of the women that I speak to who have special scars, they they don't even know how they happen sometimes. They don't know what happened or that they could even happen or uh, it's just a really confusing time for a lot of women as well to have that experience. Yeah. And, and like, it's not like it was huge. She was, how does he have a, it's like a shoulder dystocia of the C-section. <laughs> it's not massive. How did you do that? Essen- Essentially, you like when you think about it, they've got to be really delicate when they're pulling because your uterus is fully grown to as big as it possibly can yeah. and it's like the, at the thinnest it can be. And then and when then they're trying like- to navigate pulling babies out and, um, you for hours on it as well when babies are lowered down as well and if they're in awkward positions their risks of that happening and so uh you know I obviously you know I like talking about the awareness of what can happen on either sides of the fence but yeah it is one of the risks and so you then ended up in the having had two cesareans and a special scar now yeah and the other thing was like where the incision was the ob said that she saw his mouth, like his mouth was right there. And to me, that's quite low down. Like, was he on his way out or, you know, mm. God's telling me he's nowhere near being born. Mm. Yeah, so I don't know. It was just like, yeah, cool. Didn't know that could happen, but it happened. Yeah, and I ended up in the ICU for the night because I lost 1.4 litres of blood. So that was enough to be in the ICU. So Wow. Okay. That's interesting. I wonder if there was something else that happened there or if that was that hospital's policy. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think I was just on the cusp. Mm. But, yeah, I didn't need any transfusions or anything, so I was also happy. That's good. I mean, happy with that as well. Yeah. So, 
yeah, and I stayed in the hospital a couple of nights, I think. Um, I actually enjoyed my hospital stay a bit more the second. Yeah, it was just nice to have a break and be able to bond with the baby um, without my toddler. Like, just not, not, I didn't miss my toddler, but it was nice to have that one on one time, like the little guy. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, and the, yeah, breastfeeding was easy. I even, you know, one of the midwives said, oh, I jumped us to take the baby to the, um, into the admin department he can hang out with us while we do our admin and I, I let them do that because you know second time you're like actually it's smart to sleep <laughs> um have a rest um oh if you want to though but like if you don't want to that's fine like I thought yeah I'm gonna have a sleep it'll be good um as long as you don't give them formula and give them back to me for a breastfeed and they promised so oh that's that was, good yeah because um, that's one of the things that can happen so if you if you want the baby to go it's good for you to advocate, like you said, and say, no, I don't want formula if you don't want that. And then yeah. obviously if you, you're happy for them to feed you, it means you get to sleep even longer if that's yeah. what you want to do. So that's cool that you. Yeah, uh, so that was all good. Um, yeah, cool. I think it hit the baby blues in the second or third night. I was just really mm. upset. I was like really sad about um, not getting the V back. Mm. But it was so nice. I had my little baby and I just cuddled him and cried with him and it was, yeah, it was nice. Like, I, mm. I feel so I feel so lucky I've never really I've always had a connection with each baby and um you know even though even with my first with the general I didn't feel like disconnected from him as soon as I met him I was like yeah awesome yeah you're my little baby and that kind of mm. thing so I'm grateful that I didn't have any struggles with um postpartum depression or anything like that I just had like little sad bits that I kind of got it got past and yeah just enjoyed my time with my babies and grateful to be able to breastfeed and that kind of thing mm. second time so much easier as well not having to supplement or anything like that just you put them on the boob like that's mm. what you can do these yeah. about 2.9 kilo babies <clears throat> yeah it was great loved it so and when I do it came... have like <clears throat> I, do have, I have positive memories of that day of trying my home birth it was not it was a nice day it just yeah good that's good so when it came time to having baby number three was this one a planned or a surprise um another surprise got to that 12 month mark where things mm -hmm. were kind of like settled down with two mm -hmm. yeah feeling relaxed and not um find out we're pregnant with number three um and this time I didn't bore my eyes out we just I told my husband and we just laughed. We're like, like psychopaths. We're like, what are we doing? <laughs> we can't do this. This is so silly. <laughs> no, it is what it is. Yeah. And then, um, <clears throat> sorry, I got a scratchy throat. At seven weeks, I had a debrief with my midwife. So I wanted to like mm -hmm. run through everything about the second birth. Why didn't I end up with, why didn't I end up with a home birth? Got, ran through it all. Um, is this when you were seven was, weeks pregnant? Yeah. Okay. I had a feeling. I didn't have any symptoms or anything. We had a feeling when I was in coles at about four weeks. So I, yeah, tried a pregnancy test and I was pregnant. Mm. So, yeah, three weeks later I went and caught up with my midwife. It was mm -hmm. nice to catch up there and, like, go through everything. Um, and she seemed really chilled out if I wanted, if I was to decide to um, try for a home birth again. Um, and then I also looked up <clears throat> my emails and I contacted you at around nine weeks. Because I think I'd seen your stuff and I'm like, oh, my God, mm. someone else has a special scar. Yes. And then we had a <clears throat> phone call, didn't we? We had yeah, a session, we, didn't we? 
yeah so I thought oh definitely gonna have a session I love that the fact that you were like a normal not a, well, I don't know are you normal absolutely not absolutely not a mum that had yeah to talk to someone who's a mum who's been through it especially yeah. like two cesareans had the special scar and then having your awesome free birth I was like wow someone's done it I want to talk to her I want to learn all about that mm. so we had a really cool session um and I think I I'm pretty sure most of the session I kind of unloaded on you because I was kind of in a way blaming my midwives I was like why did they tell me to go into the hospital everything was fine the baby was fine I felt that I still had more juice in the tank and they suggested this and it's their fault and why did they do that and you know I was still in this like very like all the while I was like okay had an okay day and enjoyed the day I was also like really disappointed I was like I gave up too soon it wasn't even like we, we didn't really need didn't even need that c-section I think I called it an unneeded c-section when I emailed you mm-hmm. all that stuff so I was just like unload unload and then you're like um you said oh maybe you know we could work together on this because mm. <laughs> at that time I didn't realize that that's where my mindset was at. I was so like blamey and like these people did this to me and they did mm. this they tore me and they told me to go that why didn't they why did they tell me to go in when I didn't need to go so it was just like I didn't realize my mind was so stuck in this cycle yeah you were feeling like and this is exactly my experience too when I went through my journey is and I find this with a lot of the women that I speak with, connect with, and work with. It's like you're you're in a position of feeling really defeatist and powerless, and you know the journey. Hopefully, you know when you do the work and that eventually you work through. And I know with you, that's exactly what happened. Is that through a lot of hard work and sessions that you were able to come out feeling much more in control, much more powerful, and really turning around those stories and that and it's not not a surprise like you know what we worked on it's not a surprise and it's not wrong to feel that way because you had traumatic experiences and births and it's really heartbreaking and sad and so it's like fine and it's totally fine that you know women feel that way but it's really hard when you're trying to make sense of that situation and really all you want to do is feel powerful and feel like you can do something that you really wanted to do which was home birth your babe yeah and other people you know you're in home birth groups as well on Facebook and you're seeing other people and they're just having home births and they're having v-backs and they're doing all this stuff you're like why can't I like what why can't I just push out a baby like what is so hard about it yeah so um and I was sick of people saying and it was like my least favorite phrase was you got to do the work you got to do this like mental work I'm like what are they on about I listened to so many podcasts I listened to positive stories I did hypnobirthing I did Pilates I did all this what more do you want from me like yeah I'm exhausted you know so and then I think like I I wrote this down as well you mentioned and in the podcast earlier on you did a lot of the mechanical stuff and I've heard that a lot of uh, I've heard another woman come to me and she said you know, about my workshop, she was really happy that the workshop was, it was different to the mechanical stuff. Mm. I I got inquisitive about this and then I just heard you say that and I think there's so much emphasis on the mechanical side of things 
you know, have this day getting to spinny babies, you know, stand oh, on your God. head, do Pilates, yeah. go for a six-kilometre run, all yeah. these things. And then they neglect. And they eat a naughty thing, have a good diet. Yeah. Obviously yeah. you should. And nobody thinks about the emotional well-being and the mindset and all of the 90%. It's like diet or food, you know, like mindset's kind of like the food. And the exercise, sorry, not diet and food, but exercise and food. And the, the 10% is like the exercise and that's the mechanical side of things. And the 90% of the stuff is like the emotional mindset stuff. So you'd nailed the mechanical stuff, hadn't you? Oh, well, I had a few flag sessions. <laughs> I thought that I had, and that's why I was so disappointed. I'm like, why was I lean forward watching the movies for the so many weeks? Like, yeah. And I also had like in my back of my mind, I'm like, my mum, she just like pushed out a baby in four hours. And mm-hmm. meanwhile, I was like done this whole day of, you know, labouring. And, you know, she always like never made a big deal out of it. She's like, yeah, it hurts, but you just like push them out. I was like, why can't I just do that? And then after you've had kind of like the two C-sections and you've got the scar, you're kind of talking to other people and you're like, what should I do? And they're like, you know stop putting yourself through it just go and have the c-section like why are you cooking your head mm. so everyone said that to me and other people you know i'm all for natural birth but you know have a c-section you yes have- i've heard that myself too i thought i was in i thought i was in company talking to home birthers yeah and then it's like i believe in home birth but not for you yeah <laughs> it's like okay I believe in home birth, but only for low risk, like in their little, you have to be, and again, you get labelled and boxed and it feels really isolating not being in good company with other people who understand where you're at. Yeah, so that you just have these, everyone kind of looks at you, oh, yeah, I really hope you get home, but be safe. Yeah. Like, oh shit, like, oh no, I'm just going to go and die, like, at home. Like, yeah. Of course, I'm going to try and uh, do my best to be safe. I've ended up in the hospital twice so far. So clearly, I'm like not averse to getting the help that I need. But I'm, yeah, I'm going to, yeah. So, I was, and it was so awesome to talk to you because all of a sudden it's time that's like, yeah, have a, you know, have a go at a home birth or explore that some more. Mm. I mean, you never said, oh, you'll get it. No one can. No. But, yeah, just to have someone that's actually done it. I do call myself a witch on occasion, but I can't see into the future, unfortunately. (laughs) 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 Or I would have won the lotto by now. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So some of the stuff that um, has to do the work. Mm, Yeah. I never said do the work, though, did I? But I remember you being pretty... yeah, I remember you being pretty upset about that through our time, you know, about do yeah, the work yeah. and do the work. Yeah, yeah exactly. And even because my midwife had said that too and I never knew what she was on about saying yeah. that. Because that's the other thing you don't realise at the start is that a midwife is not there to help you do the work in with your mind stuff. They are literally a medical person who is there to do medical things for a home birth. They're not there to, to um, coax you into it or anything like that. They're, they're not really even there to be a doula. Yeah. or anything they're just there to check on you to make sure that that you fit within whatever medical things that they you're meant to yeah so, yeah I didn't realize I don't think I realized that the first time two times but then this time I realized look I need to do this do the work so where do we do the work <laughs> so yes that's when I started to like focus I didn't worry at all about the mechanical side I mean I did another course 
I did the Rachel Reed. You did, yeah. Pause. Yes. Because I find which, it interesting. And it's... Which was good because at this point in time, you were kind of, you were tethering between, um, should I have a uh, yeah. free birth, remember, or am yeah. I having a home birth? So we, you were kind of tethering between the two. Yeah, so I was so then. cranky at my midwives that I was mm. like, oh, I'm going to just have a free birth. I'm just going to go in the spare room and I'm going by myself and just push a baby out. Mm. So I was getting like really like ego-driven and cranky and and that's when um I went through, started to do all of the journaling and that kind of thing that um, mm. too. So um, and then I was, you know, if you do a free birth, which is awesome, but like lots of people do it, but you also have to be a little, you have more responsibility, I think, mm. like to learn, you know, what happens if you get a shoulder dystocia? What happens if you have a peak postpartum hemorrhage? What happens like with the baby if he's born not breathing and that kind of mm. thing? So I went through a whole list of pros and cons with having a midwife and not having a midwife and I ended up with a lot more pros because um, after some soul searching I realised I didn't want to have to worry about all of those like what if stuff. I don't want to have to like learn to be a medical professional mm. while being pregnant. I, I just was happy to like leave that to them um, and then for me to just focus on doing what I can for my births. That's what made me choose to have a midwife and then we also um we and you were in the beautiful position of having a midwife that would support you with two cesareans and special scar which by the way is quite rare um just for the listeners listening you know um it can be quite challenging to find somebody to support you um at that point in time exactly so that's when um needed to learn to be a little bit more grateful. And then when I wrote out all the pros and cons, some of the cons are things that, you know, is probably more my issue. Like, you know, some of my cons were, oh, you know, them talking about transfer. Oh, we'll just tell them you don't want to talk about transfer when you're in labour. Like it's more about setting in guidelines for them. Mm. So that it works for you, not you complaining when something that you haven't like thoroughly thought out and organised beforehand doesn't turn out right. So... Yeah, that was kind of um, some of the mental work around that. And also mm. we um, talked about to... boundaries and having those conversations with, yeah. you know, your team and really putting you obviously in a position of power because then you were more in control rather than waiting for them to guide you or just waiting yeah. for whatever was going to happen. Yeah, so learning more about that. Like mm. you're the master of the ship and they work for you. Yeah, so, that's right. So you guide them. And if there's certain things that you know will trigger you, make sure that you don't, that you ask them to please don't trigger you because, yeah. Which can be um, a daunting, um, challenging time as well, especially for somebody who's like a highly sensitive person or a people pleaser too, um, you know. So you did really well to be able to navigate those conversations and um, say what you needed to say through that pregnancy because it was quite challenging for you at times. Definitely. I did your workshop about highly sensitive people, which is out of interest sake. I was like, I'm not one of those. And then by the end of it, I was like, I'm one of those. I'm one of those. um, I always like try to stop being so sensitive and push your emotions down. Why do you have to cry? I'm such an idiot for crying over this. And Mm. then I realized, you know, through this journey, you know, those are some, some of those things are actually huge strengths and they're strengths that come with being highly sensitive yeah you pick up on things that other people don't um you 
can be empathetic, you can connect well with people, all of these kinds of benefits that I've never even recognised before. All I'd seen is myself crying when <laughs> someone's mean to me or something. You yeah, know, so. you just felt weak and yeah. the opposite and ashamed of having emotions that were natural yeah. to you but not needing to be. It's just our society shame, you know, puts people, you know, that's a weakness, but it absolutely is not. I see it as strength. Yeah, so part of the whole thing was to un to let that person come back out of the box that I'd like shoved her in. Mm. So have your speak your mind and say what you're feeling. Don't just be like okay and yeah, see down deep down. Yeah, so some of the other things I did are heaps of journaling, which I was like, mm. oh, I do journaling, but I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. Journaling's I was lame. like, have you done your journaling? You're like, mm, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> Like, and you oh, did you right. eventually did it <laughs> I wrote out lots of birth affirmations um yeah. back into the hit my birthing um mainly because that's just a nice thing to do yeah um, if you like a bit of time time to yourself uh, and there's also a lot of positive stuff that they say during those meditations so I was happy to do that mm. do quite a few meditations and things like that um then around the 26th week mark I get <clears throat> My blood pressure is going up and there's protein in my urine, which mm. totally triggered me because it's like, oh, you might have, you know, these are markers for preeclampsia and there's me going, oh, my God, I'm doing it again. And all of the feelings um, that I had from growing my first son, you know, I started, I cried to my friend. I said, I can't even grow a baby properly. What's wrong with me? All of those thoughts. So that was like a really good trigger. Mm. Um to work through those issues so I could clear that. Mm. Um, then I got um, this huge pain in my side. I actually ended up going into the hospital to get checked out and ended up being a, um, the doctor thought it was a kidney stone. Um, so then my midwife, she has the Louise Hay book, which says it's about um, symptoms in your body and what, what they can mean to your emotions. And all this whole list of stuff came out. I printed it out, but I can't find it now, but it was stuff um. like, um, feeling resentful, feeling mm-hmm. hard, feeling stubborn, um, being upset with past events, all of these things that had come up, which was all the stuff that I was like whinging about with Isaac's birth. I was like, oh my God, this is like shining a light in my face. And I don't know if people believe in that kind of stuff, but I was like, wow, how can that be so coincidental? So um, I started to work through it. That's when the penny dropped really for me with all that stuff. So I started to work through that. Um, I caught up with a guy that I know who does the um, tapping, so the EFT, mm. like freedom technique, mm-hmm. emotional freedom technique. I did quite a few. I did a few sessions with him, um, so I cleared that. And then I found every time I cleared something, something else would come up. Um, I think one of the ones that came up for me was this huge fear of tearing, and I think I've always had it, like this fear that I'm going to like tear my you know have a vaginal tear and I'm going to like destroy myself I'm pretty sure I've always had that fear and I feel like maybe having that there was a bit of a block for my first two births even with you know Isaac's one take you know 24 hours and like no birth. so I worked on worked through that with with you and you said to me you know just like keep writing stuff keep writing in your journal until it like hits a mark <clears throat> And I just kept writing on this page about this, like, I'm scared of this tearing. I'm scared of this happening. And I just kept writing my fear and I kept writing, kept writing. And all of a sudden I 
wrote this sen sentence which said something is wrong with my vagina it's yuck it's defective it's ugly and I just like burst into tears and I was like oh my god this is like such this is like hit a mark with me I'm like have this kind of like shame building up that there was something wrong um with this kind of like yeah with this part of me and it kind of triggered some other things that kind of that I hadn't worked through um from you know previous times I, I, I read um Rachel Reed's book which was about birth as a rite of passage and she talked about how we have different rites of passage passages through our life as a woman mm. and um, one of them is like when you get your first period as a girl and I just have this like really traumatic memory of that from when I was 10 and you know and I just really had this like and I've always like every time I thought back to what I would still be as a 34 year old you know crying going I'm so upset that that's the way that I entered that next phase of my life mm. so I actually did some EFT work on that um, to clear that kind of yeah sadness I had about that part of my rite of passage as well so mm. did that I even got my friend to come over and sage my house she was so sweet she brought a sage over and smoked it all out um, just to get rid of any negative energy I did the put up the lame affirmation cards yeah I've always gone oh I don't want to have this like um I wasn't really into the birth room type stuff with mm. the very nice affirmation cards and I was like no I'm putting them up you know people would go in there and they were like laughing like oh nice cards to me Sarah mm. like, no I'm doing everything possible to have this um birth I even got my will updated like with the whole fear of dying I'm like I'm gonna hit this fear of dying straight on and I'm gonna make sure my insurances are up to date and my will is up to date like as morbid as that sounds I was like all right, that's I can die now and know that everyone will be okay. Like I just cleared absolutely everything that would could possibly trip me up. Mm -hmm. Felt like I just had to clear all of it to make yeah to make space for this bloody home birth. Unlucky. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that's kind of um all of the stuff. And I also one of the coolest things I did was I heard about this. Um, midwife she's a bit of a hippie I think she's actually going to stop working as a midwife and go become a doula or whatever but she does a pregnancy massage and yes. about an hour and a half away so I drove all the way an hour and a half to have this like pregnancy massage and she just has awesome hippie room and has like crystals that has like um you know little plants that climb across the whole room and these big feathers and you felt yeah it was so awesome in there and and she really grounds she really grounds you at the start and it's about connecting in with your baby and then you connecting in with the earth and knowing that you're part of this world the universe and the universe is there to provide for you and to look after you and that kind of thing and she said to me you know like channel in what's your baby saying to you um and I said oh he's <laughs> it just came into my mind I was like he's saying don't worry, mum, I'm going to look after you. And that, like, really set me up. I was, like, laying there bawling, knowing that this little baby that was growing inside me, he he saw it as his job that he was going to make sure it was all going to be okay for me. And I was just like, what? But even now, he's just such a chill guy. He's just, like, such an easy baby. And he he's so patient and stuff. And I'm like, oh, he's still looking after me, mate. So, yeah, he's awesome. <laughs> so that was an awesome massage. And she kind of has these, <laughs> she has these visions. She's like, oh. Do you want anything else from me? Like, do you enjoy your massage? I was like, yeah. I had said, did you see anything? And she's like, oh, yeah. So she said, 
I saw you in the birthing pool and you already birthed your baby. And I was like, yes. The, this lady that I'd been um, sent to, who can apparently see staff has seen me and I've already given birth. I was like, that's what I wanted to hear. I, I loved it when it's you, so like... <laughs> I loved it when I heard you say that. I was so excited when you told me that as well. I was so happy for you and I could, because I could feel that it was true and it's just an exciting yeah. time in the journey, wasn't it? It was so cool. I don't know. It was just the icing on the cake and it's so funny because the whole time I was like, actually, I'm not into woohoo stuff. Don't get me into that woohoo stuff. Meanwhile, I'm like, oh my God, someone's already seen me and I've given birth to my baby. But that was cool. I held on to that and I was like, I don't care if it's not true. I'm just going to pretend that it completely is and just like connect to that. So that was really cool to have done that massage as well. So, yeah. And also it's good to have a massage anyway. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So then- Who doesn't love massages? Yeah. So, yeah, I did all of that work. I still went through the same. How am I going to have ringing my mum? How am I going to have three babies? I can't cope with two had all of those kinds of things but just kind of like worked through it all it was just like literally a pregnancy of mental work and going to like these uncomfortable awkward things that I usually would not venture into but we just went everywhere that anything that popped up just went there was yeah and what were you kind of like thinking about your birth like what was your mindset for how you were going to have your birth? Because you did Rachel Reed's physiological birth mm-hmm. and you had read her book and we had done some work as well. What were your thoughts going into that home birth? Were you feeling, what were you feeling like you wanted the most for your home birth? I think I just wanted to get out of the way. Like I didn't, I wasn't interested in all at all about bouncing on balls or going for walks or anything like that. I was just going to let my body do what it wanted to do and kind of like really listen in and um what it needed it could tell me what I like needed to do I just like really believed and focused in on that um and um the Rachel Reed stuff talks a lot about the hormones of birth and that kind of thing so I just really trusted in that um I just wanted that really awesome hi I just wanted to pick I just wanted to be the first person to grab my baby and just like go this is my baby I put it on my chest and just be like just be there you know um yeah I didn't want to be behind a sheet and I didn't want to be shaking or like paralyzed or coming out of a GA I just wanted to be um totally present yeah for my birth so yeah um I can't say that I was like completely fear free or anything but I did as much as I could do with that and with my first with my second son I went to labor in about at about 38 or four and so I thought yep I'm gonna get all planned for 38 for around 38 weeks 38 weeks came and went 39 weeks came and went 40 weeks came and went and I've never actually made it to a due date before and I was like how I was like why do these I've never understood like I didn't understand how people got over it because I never got the chance to get over it but man, I was starting to get really get over it. I was like, now I understand what you guys go through when it goes over. But I only went over four days. So I can't really complain compared to some people that go weeks over. But yeah, um, same kind of thing again. Laying in bed, starting to get the um, aches and niggles of um, yeah, the cramping and that kind of thing. Started to ramp up. Tried to go to sleep as best as I could when I couldn't get any relief, kind of jumped in the shower. I think I jumped in the shower at about one and by about two, 
um, my husband came and realised that I wasn't in bed anymore and he was like, are you okay? And I was like, oh, you know, it's actually really quite hard. Can you um, try and time my contractions? And they were coming every two minutes. So I was like, wow. And it was really like full on. They were starting to get pretty sore. So I said, I think I need help. Can you get um, can you get my midwife to come? So he said, yeah, sure. Um, and kind of at the start, you know, I didn't want to wake up my other two sons. So I would like, um, you know, moan into a towel or make sure I was in the bathroom. I was, you know, in the birth room, that kind of thing. And then I started walking around the house and it was getting more intense and I was just getting so painful. I was just really vocalising. I didn't even, I was getting to the point where I didn't care I couldn't care about anything else. Um, and then, yeah, I started, yeah, one of the things I didn't want, I just didn't want to be so loud that the neighbours heard me. And it got to the point where, yeah, Ryan was in the lounge room with me and he opened the door to, like, let the cat in. And I, while I was having contraction, I was, like, just imagining the neighbours hearing this girl just, like, howling in, um, in the lounge room. And I was just like, shut that effing door. And so I started to get pretty like angry at him and so he started to fill up the birth pool jumped in there and it was just every contraction was painful and the whole thing was just every two minutes contraction contraction yeah and they were just really I found it really painful my midwife came they were helping with the hip squeezes um one of our friends had lent us one of the crystal bowls so Ryan was doing the crystal bowl for me I was keeping trying to keep my um yeah, my outburst and that kind of thing, really low, try and, you know, breathe down, like, you know, um, moan down, thinking about the baby coming down and that kind of thing. Um, and I was managing to have these quick little breaks between contractions. But one of the things I remember the pregnancy massage midwife lady had told me, she said, you know, it feels really much like you are holding holding back she's like even the way that your toes curl it's like you're trying to make yourself as small as possible she says what you got to do is you just got to be who you are just like let but just be you don't worry about what other people are thinking just be you like open up give yourself to the world let yeah let your baby know that you know it's safe to come into the world talk to them tell them that it's okay that kind of thing so I thought stuff it I'm just going to be if I'm just gonna be angry and I was just like getting so angry during contractions. I was like letting the anger out. And I was like, how long is this going to take? Why do people do this? Why do people, what kind of idiot am I to like choose this? You know, I was just vocalising anything I could think of. But also in the back of my mind, like just to cope with the contractions, all I was doing was I was just like thinking about like 10-year-old Sarah and her rite of passage. And I'm like rewriting this rite of passage, Sarah, you're going to rewrite it. You know, you got to do it for her, do it for little 10-year-old Sarah. And, that, yeah, I was really doing it for her. But also I'd heard one of your ladies talk about in a podcast that she sh she'd count to five and then count backwards from five. So I was doing that technique as well. It's like counting to five, counting back from five, but it got to the point where I could only handle counting to two. So I was just like one, two, 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 just like to get through it. Um, I was like releasing the anger. I looked at my affirmation cards. I was like, I really hate affirmation cards. I was like, you know, they're just so, I don't know, just the positivity. It's a little bit like, um, what's the word? Um, patronising. Toxic patronizing. or something? Patronising, like, is it? 
yeah, I'm having this beautiful birth of my baby. And like you, and I was like, fuck you as well. And I like grabbed an affirmation <laughs> card off the wall and I screwed it up and I threw it on the ground. And anything I could do, I was just like letting it happen. So um, by this time, my mum had come over and she was looking after my two um, sons. And apparently I was up, like my carrying on was upsetting them. So she's taking them outside as well. Um, and then all of a sudden, and then I also remember in your podcast saying about how um, if you have the need, do a bit of a push if you want. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to start doing little pushes and see if that, how that feels. And all of a sudden my waters just burst in the pool. Um, and then at that point, the midwife wanted to do a Doppler reading. So she, she said, oh, you know, you don't have to move or anything. I'll just find the heart rate. But she couldn't find it. Um, and I think it was stressing her out. So she got me out of the pool and she was like, she did say, she said, if I can't find this, I'm calling an ambulance, which freaked out um, my husband. But I knew in my mind that I'd already had the baby in the, um, in the birth pool. So there was going to be no ambulance and there's no way in hell I could get into any ambulance or move anywhere other than where I was. So um, between a contraction, she asked me to get out of the pool and we checked the Doppler and the baby was fine. But then I was like, I can't get back in the pool. It was way too painful. So then I just started to, um, I leant over the peanut ball and started to push. And it was like a, um, and it was the most, that was the thing that I was the most scared of is like this whole idea of pushing out a baby, tearing, all this kind of thing. But pushing just felt so good. It just felt like something to push against and it just made the pain stop. It was awesome. So yeah, I'd give a big push and then my body would kind of take over and stuff. And I'd like release and the body would keep pushing. It was like such a strange feeling. But all of a sudden they started to see ahead. Um, my midwife kind of talked me through it. She said, yeah, this is the stingy part. Like push the head around the corner, like um, doing really well. Remember we want to slow down to try and like protect the perineum. So I did a, I did that, kind of held on to her words a bit. And I pushed um, his head out, was out to... Um, his eyes and she said do you you know do you want to catch a baby do you want to grab um feel his head being born um and at this point I was like no no I'm, I'm doing as much as I can here you guys you guys are welcome to catch the baby that's fine I need to like feel his head coming out of me it was kind of creeped me out a bit so um she said to my husband oh do you want to catch the baby and he said yeah yeah so he got into position to catch so I'd push the baby out to about the eyes and then all of a sudden I just stopped pushing and I just leant over the peanut ball and this whole baby just like fell out of me and Ryan did not get a finger on it. He fell straight onto the mattress on the floor and he was born. That was it. Didn't make it, did he? No, I don't know <laughs> baby why. Baby came out too quick. Spends half a year at cricket and can't get a finger on baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, I was like, oh, what a relief. Best, best relief ever I just like loved the knowing that it was over yeah yeah and as I said like it didn't it wasn't some earth-shattering experience where yeah angels delivered my baby into my arms from heaven or anything like on Instagram mm. raw and it was pain it was bloody painful and but you, you do it and then this baby's here and it's it it's over so awesome and that's it and then you've done it Yep. We had these conversations about birth, didn't we? Because yeah, one of the things that you were looking forward to was like all the things that they talk about when the baby's born and the feelings and 
and all of that stuff. And so you felt kind of, how did you kind of feel after the birth? Yeah, I was like, where's this like, oxytocin high? Like, where's mm. my high? I want to get high, come on. But it just felt like, I just remember looking at my son and saying, oh, my God, he looks like my father-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. It was more of a relief and I was just so happy that, yeah, it was over and done with and my baby was here and I got to hold him and look at him and get to meet him and I thought that was really, yeah, really cool. But, yeah, I don't know. Oh. Yeah, you hear all kinds of experiences, but I didn't, I didn't, yeah, I think some of it is so glamorised. I don't find it glamorous at all. I was just like, I didn't breathe any baby out. I, like, moan and complain and, you know, howled and pushed out a baby. Like, and then there was a baby there. It wasn't There was nothing really to it. It's amazing how boring and plain a birth is. <laughs> Yes, I had the same experience. Like I never had that fist pump in the air, V-back, or I I was never like, oh, my God, I did it, because I always believed I could do it. And so it was never like a shock to me that I could. And and I think maybe because you decided that it was going to happen, it was just you were so thankful and grateful just to get over that. And, like, for me, because, yeah, we talked about I was like, yeah, it was just like, why is everyone so bothered about it? You know, in the hospital, like, why are they always going on? Like, oh, you're big, you can't have a baby, it's too hard for fat people. All these things, they make it. And then you have this home birth and then it's like, okay, that was birth. That's what my mum said. It was just a birth. and But every birth's different, obviously. So, like, we could go on to have another birth and we could feel completely different. You could have, like, three amazing, easygoing births and have, like, a fourth really challenging yeah. birth and it's just you never know what kind of bag of chips you're going to get well what does this exactly. say Forrest Gump you never know what kind of chocolate you're going to get you know uh yeah. what does he say you life never is know like a box of life is like you never know <laughs> I love that movie you never know what you're going to get which is true like births are like a box of chocolates yeah so uh you know it was really good to have that conversation with you as well and you know, to normalise that as well. And I thought that it was really important for the listeners to hear that too because, you know, everyone has a different experience and a lot of the experiences are over, elated, excited and, you know, highs and snuggle back in bed with baby and the most amazing thing ever and sometimes they're complete opposite and that's totally fine as well. I think looking back, I think when a few hours had gone past and I because there was a few photos taken and stuff and there was like one of me holding my son and I was like blood everywhere I like look that didn't look like it wasn't a stunning photo but I was like, it wasn't like a stunning Instagram photo but it was one of me and I just pushed a baby out I was like fuck yeah I was sending it to my friends I'm like look what I did even though there was like <laughs> blood on me and like a like a boob hanging out and but that's yeah, birth like, that's like, birth isn't it like, look at this photo of me, like the stungiest photo ever, but I think it's like the coolest one. Of course it's but the I coolest one. I was like fist pumping later on. It was just like at that exact moment. I think I was just so shell-shocked. I was like, yeah. what the hell just happened? Yeah. That hurt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> I did it. And it's, you did he's do out it. here and he's, he's alive and he's There was a lot of work up to that birth as well because you were having, again, you were planning your third home birth as well. So 
your story was very different to some of the other people I've worked with or women who yeah. I've interviewed because most women are coming from hospitals. Whereas for you, I think yeah, the, exactly. the hardest thing for you was I've done this before. There was no um, saviour in the story of this is a new environment. You even had the same midwife. So it was kind of like, well, what's going to be different this time? You know, exactly. you didn't like, and I was have like, anything. I've never been tricked. It's not like I've never known anything about physiological physiological birth before and then all mm. of a sudden I got tricked by a doctor like I knew what I was getting yeah I thought I, like I thought I knew and then to be I used to make a joke that I was like the worst home birther ever because I like had a cesareans and under general and everything like the least like the most opposite um of I mean not the most because I know there's worse stuff I'm not saying that mine were the worst but mm. having a cesarean under a general is a bit different to like a drug-free birth at home or yes yeah, so I think I was, when oh from talking to home birthing women when they are planning a home birth they feel it can be even more disappointing sometimes because you've gone to that effort of mm. planning and you know the statistics that your ex you know it's only this percentage of women are going to have a, a, a cesarean yeah you've got a high chance of VBAC and all that so you've got all that hope yeah and then it can come crashing down when you don't achieve yeah. that and I have interviewed another lady on the podcast Hayes uh Hazel Keedle was her yeah. midwife. Um, it was Sasha, and she'd had two home birth plans, transferred to hospital, and eventually had hers with her third baby as well. So it gives those other women who have been in the same situation hope that you can have a <laughs> vaginal birth. Yeah, there's always another try, you know what I mean? Like, and it, we don't know the reason for it. It could be um you know it was the third baby it could be that that was how it was always supposed to go we just don't know what exactly it was you and I've talked about it in yeah. detail and I mean we don't really know exactly but we did a few different things well you did a few different things this time and I think for you definitely the physiological birth in you taking the ownership I suppose and planning out how it was going to happen and you being in more control and taking that authority and responsibility a bit more definitely yeah. helped out for you as well yeah definitely and mm. it is like it is funny to go well some people you know you hear the stories of women who don't even know they're pregnant and their baby just like is born at home yeah and like meanwhile I've done all of this stuff and like that you know it's an awesome journey and I think that part because it was such a long journey and such all of this mind work and going through all of these things I think that's what made the birth feel a little bit like oh that's it <laughs> <laughs> that's it I did all this <laughs> yeah and it's so interesting isn't it because everyone's so different like a girlfriend of mine she um gets her period when she smells clary sage essential oils I'm like I was juicing it around when I was pregnant <laughs> I was like not even a niggle no, <laughs> nothing but you know we talk she she's yeah, really bad with yeah. like chemicals and drugs and things Whereas for me, they couldn't pry a baby out of me at 38 weeks. So, yeah. but then if for me, with my experiences, if someone says something to me or if someone's in my space and I feel their energy, for me, it's yeah. like always in the head or in definitely. that energetic field. So that's definitely my superpower slash weakness. And so it's interesting. Everyone's got their own little, you know, thing happening and, and we kind of just have to figure ourselves out yeah well, definitely thank you so much for sharing your story before you do go I would love to hear if you've got any 
final words or of advice or anything for anyone listening to the podcast? Well, I think it, I think the most important thing is just that being true to what you want. Like I have mm. friends that they want to have a cesarean. It's like awesome, do that. Mm. I think you've got to look in. For me, I had to really look at myself and go, why do I? Do I really want? What do I really want? And you know, for me, it was I didn't want. I wanted to have a natural birth at home. I don't know why, but that's just what I really wanted. And not worrying about what other people want or think or what the statistics are like they don't mean anything anyway because you might be one percent or you might be a 99 percent so I think yeah just yeah it's about really having that quiet time with yourself and deciding what you really want you don't have to have no one has to have a drug-free birth you want to go to hospital go have go have whatever you want like hire who you want but make sure it's what you want Mm. not what someone else not what your husband wants not what your doctor wants not what you you know, do what you want and what you know in your heart is going to give you a safe journey for you and your baby. Yeah, because you have to live with the consequences and you have to live regardless of... Yeah, be responsible and own it. Yeah, don't give away your power because then that's when you get resentful and, you know, you feel really powerless and... Uh, really beat yourself up over it as well when you start you know I mean somebody messaged me recently and said I really want to have a home birth but I'm not going to because my husband doesn't want me to well he said I can't I've got to have hospital and it's like I don't believe in like women doing the you know making the full decision but I think there's a lot of room for conversation and arguments or whatever you want to you know I think there's a lot of space for advocating for yourself and really putting your point across when something is really really important to you and I think sometimes we just give up too quickly on what we want because we just want to please the other person sometimes and so I'm more about conversations 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 but for you to be able to make those steps, you have to really know how you feel, I suppose. So some really good advice there, Sarah. Thank you for sharing with everyone. Yes, absolutely. And how big was baby number three? So he was huge, 3.16. Wow. I guess that obstetrician was right. Yeah, see? The babies keep going up. Don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. fine. (laughs) Uh, Also, yeah, that one I did look into the brewer's diet as well. I forgot to mention that. Mm. So that yeah. was cool. It was a good way of, yeah, taking control of that fear as well. Yes. So when you had your um, elevated blood pressure, that because I remember yeah, that exactly. was back and forth, back and forth for a little bit, um, you started looking into the brewer's diet, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that really helped. Yeah. 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 That's good. And then the protein was like nothing anyway. Yeah. Minute and went away. So it was more about the fear that it like induced Yes, and having to work through those fears. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. I really appreciate you coming on 11 Weeks Postpartum and for being so honest and sharing your truth. Thank you so much. No worries. Thanks, Ashley. Thanks for everything you do for us, v backers home. <laughs> I love it, and I'm so glad to be here. I feel so honoured to be able to listen to women's stories and share their stories on this platform because when I started this podcast, there was no home birth cesarean podcast, and I created it for me, but now all these little Ashleys have come along and (laughs) we're like an amazing community. It's just like amazing. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, thank you. Great. (laughs) Thanks Thanks so much. 
Thank you so much for listening to the VBAC Home Birth Stories podcast. I hope this episode has helped you take another step forward in your VBAC home birth journey. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to rate and review. Each review helps me get this message out to more women just like us. Want to follow along and get freebies and offerings? Find me on Instagram, Ashley L. Winning, and send me a DM to say hi. And come and join our safe group on Facebook. Just search Feedback Home Birth Support Group. Until next time, keep shining beautiful.